6: Dave Hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports objective insight expertise top guest. available on YouTube, Apple Spotify and the off the hook sports app download now for free also available on off the hook sports.com I compute and obey now to Dave Hooker
4: ready Here we go off and running and my oh my the twists and turns of week one and college football continue and this time it is at Clemson's behest as we'll discuss whether or not the Clemson era is over. Congratulations to Tyler Barron and Joe Milton as they receive SEC player of the week honors It is a Tuesday. What does that mean? John Adams will join us. You know, we love that. And let me go ahead and say, how are you, Caleb Calhoun? I am good. I'm good. Labor
7: Day is over. And I feel like I'm back. Do you ever have a three day weekend where it's like you're supposed to be a break, but actually it's kind of stressful because you just don't feel like you're in the routine you need to be in? That's me.
4: <laughs> yes, it's called Labor Day weekend because covering football, it is not a holiday and everybody else is off. So if you need something uh, specifically business related, you can't get in touch with them and you just have to kind of throw your hands up at the end of the day when you've written all you can and you've said all you can on a show and then you just move on. So that's what I did. Got to spend a little time with the uh, the missus and uh, the the puppy that I got. So that was my Labor Day uh, other than that, we had a show because if you take Labor Day off and you cover football, I don't know what in the world's wrong with you. So I John Adams, Labor day or Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> that's right. Um, I missed a lot of Thanksgivings and a couple of Christmases. So glad you're on board. go ahead and get the uh, hit the like and subscribe button, turn your notifications on too. We always greatly appreciate that as we've got an absolute ton to get to. Also, on this day, um, I guess, what, what would the year be? I sent you the, the link. I forgot to write down the year. But on this day, oh, in 2013. It's a 10-year Peyton, anniversary. Yes, Peyton Manning threw for 462 yards and seven touchdowns to lead the Broncos over the Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and, uh, wow, he was uh, pretty darn good in that game, which makes me wonder, will we ever see a Peyton Manning, a statuesque quarterback, who can't get out and about again. I kind of doubt it, but uh, we'll we'll discuss a little bit later in the program. Also, Billy Napier, too early to think about his replacement. Uh, Spencer Rattler, uh, John jokingly said in a text, but he may be serious. Should he just uh, call it a South Carolina career and go to the NFL? Uh, So uh, we'll have college football week one takeaways a day late because of the holiday and games played on a uh, Sunday, uh, Monday, uh, so a big weekend of uh, college football. Let's bring the man in. We love it when he's a part of the program. John Adams now joins us of the Knoxville News Sentinel and uh, Gannett News Services USA Today, and he is a Hall of Famer. He didn't tell us last week. Somehow I missed it, but he went into the Tennessee Sports Hall of Famer. Fame. John, congratulations! I will, for now, evermore, call you Mr. Hall of Famer. Well, it's actually I've been I'm in three Hall of
8: Fames, Dave. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to brag. I just want to. I don't want you to get your facts wrong. Well, would you would you like to educate me
4: and the listeners as to which Hall of Fames you're in? I don't think they care. I'll send you a text afterward. <laughs> Do that. All right. So we've got a lot to get to. Let's hit the show uh, off and running. And I'm excited about this one. Caleb threw it out there. And I thought to myself at first, man, I, I, I think I know he's right on the front end. But how distant is number two? It is today's tough question. And it's brought to you by friends at Zen Sports. Today's tough question is right now. And that would be the intro. Let's play today's tough question.
6: Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of
4: offthehooksports.com. All right. Including coordinators. I think we could all say, let me get a yes or no answer from, from you guys. In the SEC East, Maybe SEC, but SEC East is what I want to focus on right now. Josh Heupel's the best offensive coach, yes or no, in the SEC East, including coordinators, Sean? Yes. Okay, Caleb?
7: Yes, absolutely.
4: Yeah. Who is the second best offensive coach to Josh Heupel in the SEC East, including coordinators, as we look back over the weekend? And is it even close? Uh, John, let me begin with you. Um, the the offenses in the SEC just don't look, SEC East, don't look fantastic, other than maybe uh, Georgia just because I think they have better talent than everybody. But your thoughts on the status of offenses in the SEC East, they ain't real good. Uh, aside from South Carolina, which really
8: Impressed me against North Carolina, giving up nine sacks, unable to run the ball. Uh, general disarray, and that's why that's why I'm encouraging Spencer Rattler to leave right now. I may start a movement. I'm trying to get in touch with him as we speak. He's got to he's got to start working for the going for the NFL and forget playing behind this offensive line. No way he lasts a season uh, as quarterback behind that offensive line. Uh so offense coordinators I would probably go with Kentucky. So what's his name? Liam Cohen. Yes. Yeah, yes. I wanted to So he wanted the Cohen brothers. Uh, <laughs> he is, I like he their movies. Great. Yeah, I like their movies. And I say that because I didn't watch much of Kentucky. He does have a nice resume. I don't know about Mike Bobo. Uh he's okay. He would probably be next. Nobody in Heupel's class. You got to go to the West to find some offensive Coordinators.
4: Well, I'm going to –
8: Wait, I forgot. Billy Napier.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I forbid we leave him out.
8: Oh, yeah. He's he's
4: got it all going
8: on there at Florida. Yeah. You don't need some first-round draft pick at quarterback to make things happen back there.
4: You weren't at SEC Media Days two years ago, but it was constant. um, He's detail-oriented. Yeah. For for what? I mean, is (laughs) it – does he have a library and he uses the Dewey Decimal System? Because he's not detail-oriented when it comes to NIL or football. He counts out the pellets. He feeds his dog each day. I, I mean, what? No, I mean,
8: they have two number threes running around on on punt coverage. How does that even
4: happen? That was bizarre. And I want to get into that a little bit more. But, Caleb, I know that you like uh, the Liam at uh, Kentucky so is he the second best coach offensive coach in the SEC East
7: yeah I'm with John he is but I'm going to be a little bolder John I know you mentioned Mike Bobo I know about him he's horrible he's terrible and Tennessee fans should celebrate the fact that I think Liam Cohen is the only other offensive coordinator with brain cells in the SEC East right now
8: you know uh I don't like to be critical of hosts when I'm on a show, but uh, (laughs) Caleb really needs to be more opinionated. (laughs) You always get the feeling with him
4: that he's holding something (laughs) (laughs) back. That's right. Today's tough question is brought to you by – we're going to open it up to the entire SEC next. I would trust Butch
7: Jones coaching offense over Mike Bobo there.
8: Oh, man, by the way. You you need a timeout, Caleb. (laughs) Wow. Jones was
4: crying Saturday and was throwing that, his players it, under the bus. It was the crying <laughs> game. Yeah, he was crying about his impending decision to throw all of his players under the bus, which he did after the game. Today's yeah. tough question brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That's, that means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code Hooked. That's Hooked. That's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. Refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Use the promo code Hooked. All right, let me open it up to the entire SEC. Is Josh Heupel still number one, John, as an offensive coach? And if I open it up to the West, who's two? Yeah,
8: Josh Heupel's still number one. I, I go back to the uh, his first season at Tennessee when he averaged almost 40 points per game with a very limited offensive depth chart. I, I thought that was... That was amazing what he did with that team. Of course, last year he led the country in scoring and, and yards per game. Number two, uh, there's some good ones over there. Hugh Freeze is really good, but I got to go with Mr. Personality, Bobby Petrino. I mean, you know, he's not just a highly likable guy. He really, <laughs> knows, he really knows offense, and he's the quarterback's best friend. a and looked like a completely different team, with him at calling the shots, and so did Connor Wigman, the quarterback. The highlight of the weekend for me was when there was a substitution issue with AM's offense, and they flashed a Bobby Petrito in the press box, and he leaned so far back in his seat, I thought he was going to fall over, and then he threw his pen behind him. Uh, he was that upset, even though the team was ahead 35-7, to we talk about Bobby uh, Billy Napier with details. Bobby Petrino is really detail oriented as an offensive coach. You have to do things the right way with him, or he will be in your face, and he likes getting in your face.
4: Uh, yes, and especially if if you uh, if you're good looking and you're young and you're female and work in his recruiting department. Cheap shot, cheap
8: shot, cheap <laughs> shot. Come on, David. Everybody's got some. Some skeletons in their closet. They've got a past. Nobody's and some them. have
7: some interns in their closet. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Caleb, I would probably differ with John a little bit. I would go Lane Kiffin if you opened it up as far as second. But I do like what he said about Bobby Petrino. And you and I have talked about him. I think he writes the ship to some degree. And probably is a bad thing for a because it keeps Jimbo Fisher around a lot. But who do you think is the second best coach before we get into how far is the drop off from Josh Heupel as an offensive coach?
7: Well, I mean, I trust Bobby Petrino as an offensive coach, but some I haven't I got to see him against better competition because I still wonder if the game has somewhat passed him by a little bit. He and Jimbo Fisher both are very much. We don't give the quarterback any leeway. It's our offense and we call the place for them. Very, very stuck in almost like a Cam Cameron 2012 way of thinking, I feel like. So I still got to see more from that. John, you mentioned him. I'm kind of where I'm, I'm leaning towards Hugh Freeze. I look, I know it's not a popular thing to say. I'm still high on Mike Denbrock, the LSU offensive coordinator, after even after what happened over the weekend. I, I think that might have been a little bit of a fluke blip in the radar, but. I think it's Mike Denbrock or Hugh Freeze or Lane Kiffin. I think it's one of those three, but I'll probably go Hugh Freeze.
8: I can see – go ahead, John. I just hit – Caleb caught me off guard with that one. (laughs) (laughs) LSU better get a quarterback who can see the whole field and throw the ball over the middle.
7: Well, they need a receiver who can catch the ball, to be fair. They dropped – how many drops in that game?
8: Yeah, but you watch – I mean, some of those play calls were ridiculous or either – I mean, they're they're got third and twenty-two or whatever, and they're throwing a ten-yard out, which Jane Daniels is really good on. But I'm off his bandwagon. I say bring on Garrett Nussmeyer. Okay, so look, like he's, he's a better passer.
4: Yeah. Let me. Okay. So how far is the drop off? Okay. So if if Josh Heupel is a ten, how far is the drop off to whoever you guys think is the next guy? I would go Lane Kiffin. And I would say an eight, for instance, that's, that's me personally. How far is the the drop off for you guys in number two?
8: Um, I I mean, I think those guys, you've got several really good coordinators in, in the West and, and coach Brian Kelly's had a pretty good offensive track record. I don't put him in there with those guys, but I guess eight or nine would be what I'm saying for those guys. And, uh, I think what's impressed me about Petrino the most is probably he's won with a lot of different quarterbacks. And I agree with Caleb that Jimbo Fisher, his offense was good 13 years ago or 10 years ago. But the game, the offense is half passed him by. I don't think they passed uh, Bobby
4: Petrino by. No. Caleb, same question for you. And then I'm going to hone it down back to the SEC East.
7: I'll I'll still go nine with Hugh Freeze because as much as as low as I think of Hugh Freeze the person I will say I can't ignore his track record at Ole Miss.
4: Okay, so I hone it down now to the SEC East. If Josh Heupel is a ten, where's the next guy on a scale of one to ten? No matter who you think it is,
8: uh, I would go with Cohen. I guess I would say maybe a seven. Okay, Caleb. I'm right there with John Cohen's a seven. The question is, what's the next guy rated
7: <laughs> the East yeah. after Cohen? And I'm, I'm going to go like negative <laughs> 17.
4: Yeah, the next guy's a pretty big fall off. And, and in this day and age of football, wouldn't you rather have a great offensive coach than a great defensive coach? In other words, if you compared Nick Saban's first season at LSU, um, they had a great defensive coach. Nowadays, I think you want a great offensive coach because some of the changes uh, that they have made. Let's talk a little bit of uh, Florida football because Tennessee's next significant game will be against the University of Florida because I think they've got Austin P under control. But let's get to it right now. It's what the H? What the what was he
6: thinking? Release the house. The Dave Hooker Show. K-k-k-k- keep cool. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports.com.
4: What the H? Today brought to you by Andy Mason, Andy Mason Real So the University of Florida starts the season at a whopping 0 and 1, and it was a 24 to 11 loss to Utah that really didn't even feel that close. And it was like they were out physical even in the the first quarter against Utah. And I'm not selling Utah short. I liked Utah all of last season. I love what they've done out there. They play a physical style of football that uh, you don't think of when you think of West Coast football. So I I, I do not think this is um, a bad, bad loss. But the way it looked that they got out physical. And this is year number two. Um, Is it too soon? Am I overreacting to say that Florida needs to think about Billy Napier's replacement? Is that too soon? Uh, Yeah, it's too soon because it's going to hire a new AD before it hires the next football coach. Okay, give me a little bit of background on that. And and I know it, but for our listeners, they hired... They basically hired a sports information director as their athletic director. And there's nothing wrong with sports information directors, Uh, Scott. (laughs) uh, Scott, personal biases, Uh, Scott Strickland. uh, It's the last time you've been a beat reporter, boots on the ground, face to face, nose to nose with those cats. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not that my therapist has to hear about that. I, I
8: I didn't realize beat reporters were so courageous. Uh, make them sound <laughs> like Navy SEAL members. Uh, I would go uh, – he. I mean, he hired Dan Mullen, and there's nothing wrong with that hire. It just didn't work out because of his recruiting. Um, but this, bit, and then he hired Billy Napier. You can't you can't go from. I I don't. I think he went from a decent hire to a really questionable hire. And does anybody think Billy Napier will have the success that Dan Mullen did? He did have success before everything just fell off the bat because of his recruiting. But in terms of uh, managing the team, I mean, he, he got Florida in the SEC championship game. I don't see that happening with Billy Napier. Uh, but I think you can't – I don't think you start doing that now. He's got a, what, a $39 million buyout? Um, but I – there's a lot of, to me – contradictory stuff going on with him he's supposed to as you said earlier supposed to be a detailed guy but then he also wants to be the head coach to so offense coordinator call Plays and also be the
4: quarterback's coach well he's and, and detail oriented John they ran two number threes out on the field at the same time I've never seen that happen I know I know what happened on that
8: he said get number 33 out there <laughs> And so those two guys ran out together, three and three, and, and it was just a
4: communications breakdown. They were standing together. Yeah. That's the issue. Hey, hey, you, two, 33. you two are not allowed to stand together on the sidelines anymore. Caleb, I'm going to throw something at you right now, and I'm going to disagree with John. I, it may be a new athletic director or whatever, but let's face it, there's always boosters that have the power. I'm already thinking – lane kiffin after this season period end of discussion lane kiffin would win at a high level at the university of florida and i t- can tell you from a very 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 good source he wants the heck out of Ole miss
7: well he also i mean yeah he, lane kiffin is the type of person who would much rather live in florida than live exactly in
4: right That's exactly <laughs> right and i, texting, I, I and, texted lane at one point i said how's your signing day going and he was uh on a boat, and he goes. My signing day consists of fishing for tarpon, <laughs> and he shot me a video of that. Uh, that was at FAU. So yeah, he would move in a heartbeat. He he lobbied for the LSU job before his friend Ed Orgeron was even fired, and um, yeah, I know he wanted the Auburn job, didn't get it. It would be bad news for Tennessee, but if I'm Florida, I, I'm Billy Napier has already run its course in a little more than a season. Caleb, I would make that move in a heartbeat. Would you?
7: Yes. I want to say don't. The only thing I won't overreact to is that this has nothing to do with how I feel about Billy Napier as a coach, but, and I don't overreact to last weekend with Miami and Florida State, but with winning Miami and Florida State, because of this new move, I think they're still stuck in the ACC for a long time. And so their revenue is going to be significantly less than Florida's for the foreseeable future. I think just because of that alone, Florida is going to get to a point where they can just so easily recruit the state better than the other two schools where they can get all the talent to specifically go to Florida. That I think it's going to be kind of a, it'll kind of be a, I'm not to, not to document it, kind of a Tennessee situation with Fulmer in the 90s where Tennessee could have their litter of Georgia or Alabama kids because those programs were down at the time. And I think that it'll be a point to where like Florida success may be immune to the head coach, whoever the head coach is, because it's going to be so easy to get talent in Florida.
4: John, let me ask you this, uh, because I thought that urban Meyer would be, uh, and was except for, you know, raising, um, murderers throughout his program and felons. Other than that, uh, he had a lot of success at the university of of Florida. I thought that would, was a really good hire. I actually, uh, thought that um, Dan Mullen would have been a good hire. I thought the M.O. at the University of Florida would be a Steve Spurrier type. Now, what does that mean? I don't mean they're that innovative as a coach. It means an offensive guy and let the defense fall in place because you should naturally have enough talent in the area. Is that still the M.O.? Because if so, Lane Kiffin fits that to a T. Plus, he's a pretty tireless recruiter as well. Yeah, Lane Kiffin definitely fits. Billy Napier didn't
8: fit. You go back and you look. Florida made a great hire in Steve Spurrier. It made a great hire in Urban Meyer. And it made a good hire in Dan Mullen. But you got to – I mean, Dan Mullen's got to take the heat for what happened and his failed recruiting. But if, if I'm AD and I hire Dan Mullen and I know Dan Mullen's personality, it's pretty quirky, and I would worry about him on the recruiting trail – so I want to beef beef up that support staff in terms of recruiting uh, all over the place uh, because Dan Mullen can coach and he can certainly coach offense. You saw what he did at Mississippi state. So, but you, Florida's had a lot of bad hires. It hired Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, Ron Zook. I mean, seriously, <laughs> These yeah. <are> some names. <laughs>
4: no, I know. And, And Florida has, you know, I talk about South Florida, Dade County, Florida has as much pull there as as Miami does. Florida State has as much pull there as Miami does. So um, to not be able to recruit is really difficult. You've almost got to go into a staff meeting and said, boys, let's figure out how not to recruit today. Um, It's 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 pretty difficult. Are we looking at an SEC East? Uh, John, let me begin with you and go to Caleb. That is just absolutely ripe for the picking. Because when Tennessee won a national championship in 1998, when they had great success winning two SEC championships, we're talking about partly Drunken Ray Goff, who was at Georgia, and then Jim Donnan. We're talking about uh, Brad Scott at South Carolina, or mm-hmm. Steve Sperger was at Florida. That was a legend that Tennessee was able to overcome in '98, But other than that the the east and the coaches I've talked to a coach about that back then were not incredibly hard to overcome from an Xs and Os standpoint how ripe is the east for tennessee right now well you still got to get by georgia i mean oh, but but georgia would be like the florida back then yes oh, you, okay. win, you win that one game yeah, okay. and that's a big if you win that one game and then yeah rest of them should be pretty easy. Yeah, you would think so. I mean,
8: it, that's a good point. It, it's fairly similar, I would think. Uh, of course, back then, the West was down too. So that made it even easier for Tennessee to find a path to the national championship. <laughs> LSU was hiring uh, Curly Hallman. Uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think uh, once past Georgia – uh, yeah, Tennessee's got a real, real nice shot in the east, but it's all going away. I, I mean, it would really be to Tennessee's benefit if they if things stayed the way they were, if they just told Texas and Oklahoma to go back to the Big 12 or Big 22 or whatever you want to call it. We'll just keep what we've got and keep those divisions because Tennessee would have a really good shot. in in that situation in terms of the East, it's like solid number two. And uh, I thought that going into the season, but I think it even more after watching uh, some games this Saturday.
4: Yeah. Uh, Caleb, I think that Tennessee fans used to uh, pray that its own program would hire a good coach. Nowadays you (laughs) hire, you, you pray that the other coaches in the sec East get extensions.
7: Yes, exactly. Tennessee fans should be rooting like heck for Billy Napier to stay at Florida. I mean, that's that that's their dream. Uh,
4: do you see what I he mean, did there? John, uh, did you see that like, rooting like heck? Yeah.
7: Like heck. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because I, I look back at when Tennessee first started to fall off as a program. It was the day Georgia hired Mark Rick. I mean, Tennessee's last top 10 finish before last year was 2001, which was Mark Rick's first year. And then recruiting, they just, and I know Fulmer was a tireless recruiter, but he just couldn't get the talent out of Georgia like he was able to in the 90s because Mark Rick was there. And then when you had Steve Spurrier go to South Carolina, you had Urban Meyer at Florida, you had Nick Saban eventually at Alabama. It was just every single base dried up from where Tennessee tries to recruit from. And John, Dave knows this. I've, I I'm not buying into this whole Nashville's growing so talent's going to come to Tennessee in statewide argument because Nashville's been growing for 10 years and it hasn't borne out in the recruits that come out of Nashville. It's not they haven't really turned out a lot of NFL talent relative to their population.
8: So and, you think it's growing in a in the wrong way. It's it's not uh it's not like Louisiana where they have such a uh, per capita such a high number of uh in a future NFL players so you just think the wrong basically the wrong kind of people are coming yes. to special. yeah I got. Yes. It. I, it's, I, I it's, can buy into that yeah he's it's actually a bunch of nerdy
7: he's, Northeasterners he's who are moving who have no bodies whatsoever and their kids are going to be physically able to play football and st-
8: and stoners from California <laughs> exactly exactly
1: well,
8: so, wait yeah.
4: are you telling me there's never been stoners to go to a football practice and participate
7: Ooh,
4: not the California way. hippie stoners. No. Yeah. I remember asking a guy, uh, a, a player one time. I'm not going to say which school. I said, uh, how, What percentage of players do you think regularly go to practice, Stony And I was thinking he'd say, What, 20, 25%? He said, uh, Probably about 75%.
8: <laughs> yeah, but he was probably stoned when he gave that answer. So how credible <laughs> is it?
4: That's probably, that's probably true. Which fan base would you rather be right now? Would you rather be South Carolina or Florida as we talk a little bit about the East? Because I think Shane Beamer is going to bust his rear and recruit. And this sounds insane. But if, if somebody takes over for him one day, as opposed to Florida, South Carolina might actually have better talent than if they make a transition from Billy Napier to somebody else. John, is that insane?
8: <laughs> Sorry, but I watched all the North Carolina South Carolina game, and and I know Shane Beamer's recruiting okay, but Billy Napier has the number three ranked class. Last time I looked, for twenty four, so I think whoever follows him is going to have a lot to work with. So I would uh, South Carolina is too checkered of a path path uh, to make me think the glory days are ahead, no matter who the coach is, unless it's Steve Spurrier.
4: No, fair. Uh, Anthony Richardson last year extended some extended some plays. I don't think any of us thought he was great, but now he's landed a starting job in the NFL. Was picked high in the draft. Did, did we sell Anthony Richardson short at all last year, guys? I don't. I don't think we sold
8: him short. I mean, I thought he was a great athlete, but I also think he's extremely injury prone. But he's a great athlete. Might turn out to be a big, great quarterback, but I don't think he'll stay healthy in the NFL. What about you,
4: Caleb? Thoughts?
7: The only, You know, I didn't believe in Anthony Richardson having watched him last year,
8: but I do pay
7: attention to intangibles. And from everything with Anthony Richardson, like I, it was screaming Jamarcus Russell to me for the longest time. But I got to be honest, he seems like a much harder. Everything I've heard about him at Florida and in the NFL, his intangibles are there. Right? I don't know if the accuracy will come, but – he is a really, really hard worker, and he's got the arm. So if he can, those those two things, maybe you can get the accuracy with you. But I, I, yeah, it was unfair. It was unfair for me to compare him to like a big arm, like Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf type, who I just felt
8: who did not have the intangibles. Did uh, what was that with Jamarcus Russell? When when didn't he have something going with cough syrup? And, or <laughs> think somebody else. Oh no, but, you're right. It was. It, it was. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Scissor. Yeah, sipping on some scissor. Okay,
4: it's a great did you ever try getting it a, uh, a buzz off the Scissor John, back in the day, or did they just give you all straight heroin? <laughs> no, Dave, I was never into into the drug scene. Yeah, I need I need help loading my musket. Well, try this um try try this uh, heroin. That should help. <laughs> <laughs> then you then you don't care if you can't load your musket. John, by the way, I'm catching you. I was on an elevator the other day, and this uh, uh, young lady was wearing a tiara and said, "Oh, is it your birthday?" And she said, "Yes. How old are you? 14. How old do you think I am? 56." She responded. <laughs> do I look 56? Uh, what's our next uh, next question, Jay? <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> All right, we'll get to that, and that is. Joe Milton III named SEC co-offensive player of the week. Tyler Barron named the SEC defensive lineman of the week. I want to ask John after this, who exactly will be Tennessee's second best player after the season? And we'll take a closer look at what the Vols did and did very well against Virginia. Hang with me for 90 seconds. He's John Adams with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Sports.
6: For KADIS, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KADIS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. Before. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that.
3: I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call KADIS today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts, ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center.
0: Ah. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get caught, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker.
4: So we began the season saying that Cooper Mays was the most important player for Tennessee other than uh, Joe Milton. And maybe even most important with Joe Milton on the slate because there's a drop off to a guy named Nico and uh, he should be pretty good. By the way, did you get any strong thoughts, John, on the what limited – time you saw out of uh, nico uh in relief duty on on saturday i didn't pull much away other than what i already thought
8: no i mean we've all re- we've all heard really good things about him so he you know he he didn't do anything to to change my way of thinking and i think there's a tendency with someone who is uh, ballyhooed as nico when they go into the games fans will uh, magnify anything he does in a positive manner if he if he catches this uh, shotgun snap uh, flawlessly, people will rave about his ball handling skills. I, I just think that's uh, the nature of the beast there.
4: No, I agree. Remind you that portions of the program brought to you by Andy Mason, realestate.com. Best prices, best service in the biz there in the Knoxville area. He's my realtor. He should be yours. Andy Mason, real Estate.com. Again, Andy Mason, real Estate.com for all of your estate needs. So we talked about Cooper Mays being the most important player before the season. Then bam, Ollie Lane jumps in and the interior of Tennessee's offensive line, I thought played really well. I didn't think there were any a gap. Again, this is Virginia, but there weren't any a gap pressures, um, which is the gap between the center and the guard. And also I thought that at times there was a really good push in the interior of the offensive line. So I ask you this, uh, guys, who's, who are Tennessee's, at the end of the season, we will say uh, this guy was Jalen Hyatt. In other words, we would all have said at the end of last year, Hendon Hooker was the best player. So if everything goes to plan, Joe Milton, at the end of the season, we will say Tennessee's best player was Joe Milton. So after what we saw on Saturday – Who's vying to be the second best impactful player? Because uh, we saw a lot of guys contribute. Tyler Barron wins uh, SEC Defensive Player of the Week. So
7: defensive lineman, not player. Lineman. Defensive
4: lineman. Excuse me. So, John, let me begin with you. Um, who, who who's in the running to be the second best player of the 2023 season for the balls? When all said and done. I really like Omari Thomas.
8: Uh, I hadn't seen a guy in the middle of the line do at Tennessee do what he's doing in a while. He was really covering ground. Uh, He's strong. I mean, he was a highly touted player coming in, but uh, I think he's really hit his stride. I I think he will be, to me, he will be a bigger factor than Tyler Barron. And I think Barron's success could – in part will be attributable and I'm not knocking Barrow, but I think it will partly be attributable to Amari Thomas and how he plays in that middle. He is somebody that I think other teams will look at and say, okay, we got to deal with this guy. What are we doing?
4: Caleb, I know you love Amari.
7: Love Amari. Just want to point out Nashville's growing so much and the Memphis kid is still more important than any Nashville kid on Tennessee. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I I actually do love Amari, and I, I, it's funny, John. I said the exact same thing over the weekend. I thought, felt Tyler Van and James Pierce. Everything they did was because of Amari, and the one touchdown drive that Tennessee gave up just happened to be the one touchdown, the one drive that Amari Thomas got hurt. So, I'm with John on that. I'm still probably going to go. I I'm going to go on the other side, but I'm going to stay in the, the trenches. I love Javante Spragans. I still love Javante Spragans. I think he's the centerpiece of what makes Tennessee's interior blocking go so well when they run the ball. So I'm going to go Javante Spragans. But, I mean, th- I'm only doing that because John picked Amari Thomas, because I would have picked Amari Thomas.
4: <laughs> I, I'm I'm going I'm to differ from both of you guys. And the reason I'm going to do so is because of uh, that Sunday show with Fred that we did on what day of the week, you think, John? I have no idea. Sunday, it's called that Sunday show with Fred. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And it's yeah. brought you. So day. Show,
8: what day is that show on again?
4: It's a, it's, it's, it's on February. Um, that show. Billy napier
7: probably would get that wrong. <laughs>
4: He shows up on a Thursday. Go, when are we doing this show? Uh, but that show brought to you by the Harold Group, uh, Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership Act experience specialization, addressing problems through unique mission specific mitigation techniques. Also making your children safer one school at a time. They work with private schools to avoid just the traumatic, terrible school shootings that we have seen. Go to haroldgrp.com, haroldgrp.com. Tell your school administrator that's who you need to make your school safe, and they'll be working with public schools uh, soon. I, I'm going to I'm gonna offer you this, John. You, you may not have seen it, but um, our friend, Fred White, I said, who does he remind you of? No two things. Fred doesn't overspeak. He's the exact opposite of a skip Bayless. Fred also hates comparisons, and John, he said that his ceiling is Leonard Little. That to me is a pretty darn good ceiling. Well, you're talking out. about
7: James Pierce. You gotta. You're talking about what James I, Pierce.
4: I don't know who you're talking about. Dave. Yeah, you oh, didn't name, You didn't name the player. James Pierce. Sorry, James Pierce. <laughs> okay, is, way to go, Billy. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: From now on, a dumb a dumb move is a Billy. Um details, Dave. Details. James Pierce, the player I'm talking about, a number three on your program. now but James yeah. Pierce, I, I believe, will be the second best player at the end of the season uh for the balls. I think it's really good, a
8: good sign for Tennessee when we're talking about all these different defensive players. And I think Aaron Beasley's pretty good. I mean, it's been a while when you had that many defensive players. We're talking talking about Tyler Barron. We're talking about Jace Pierce. We're talking about uh, Amari Thomas. Tennessee has some playmakers on defense now. And I don't know if they have any in the secondary yet. It's too early to tell. But I think their job will be made easier because of these guys in the front seven
4: yeah i I really like him, and I was absolutely stunned when I heard uh Fred say uh Leonard or little Caleb he well he he said that on Sunday, right Just Yes to make sure okay yes on Sunday show on, on that Thursday show with Fred yeah uh, yeah.
7: yeah and I, I I'm not look I defer to Fred. I defer to football players in certain things and so I'll defer to him on saying James Pierce Leonard Little. I wasn't willing to go there, but I could that's a that's a bold comparison. Now the question is will Tim Banks he decide said,
4: now. He said that's the ceiling, to okay. be clear. He didn't say he is Leonard Little right now, embodied. So, well so the clear.
7: question is will Tim will Tim Banks have the genius decision that John Chavis had to put James <laughs> Pierce at middle linebacker instead of defensive? End? <laughs> <laughs> that, that
8: was uh after- a, you know what that was john that was a billy <laughs> well it was also a brian kelly because that's what he did with harold perkins the guy was the best defensive player in the sec last year as a freshman so what does he do we want to make him a more a conventional middle linebacker learn this system learn to play middle linebacker and what did he do against florida state he just stood back there, looked around every now and then, he'd cover receiver, and mostly he spied on Jordan Travis. So I, I don't know what, what they're thinking. They need to rethink that fast because that guy could do things other people can't do. Leonard Little was an elite pass rusher, and Tennessee said, hey, let's, let's try him out in the middle, see how that goes. And I was in Florida advancing that game that week, and I was in Spurrier's office. And this is like two games into the season. And I'm, I'm walking out the door. And uh, Steve says, I that little Leonard little, little looking at uh, middle linebacker. He knew how he was looking when he said that.
1: <laughs> that
4: <is> brutal. <laughs> brutal.
1: Oh, my gosh.
8: Thanks for playing.
4: Yeah, and Steve Spurrier known to maybe call a columnist uh, on Florida Week to try to stir the pot a little bit for before the Tennessee-Florida game. Uh, yeah, that happened a few times. Maybe it did. Um, uh, he also we're not, knew he
8: was smarter
7: than everybody in the room in the SEC in the 90s, I feel like. I feel like he was aware of how much smarter he was than everybody.
4: Totally agree. Let's not lose the forest uh, for the trees here for a moment because I think the biggest question mark overall was joe milton so uh john what did you think of joe milton specifically in the middle of the first half i don't know if rattled is the right word that's maybe a little bit too strong but when ramel keaton dropped what would have been an 80 yard touchdown pass he he missed a couple of players and i think there was even vol twitter as caleb told me he was going crazy to get nico in the game <laughs> i know i know um but uh, he, he, he righted the ship um, and, and played exceptionally well throughout. I also thought they took advantage of, of some of those over the middle passes that he does better than, he throws better than Hinden Hooker. What did you think of his performance as a whole?
8: I thought it was good. I, I thought it was a, a continuation of how he played against Clemson. He was under control. He didn't turn the ball over. Uh, hit, some, hit some nice passes. We take it for granted when he completes passes uh, sometimes because he throws the ball so hard. And so he gets the ball in there fast when the receiver is open. He gets it in there on time. You see some quarterbacks who, who get it there just a hair late, and it, it enables the defensive back to recover. He's really good about that. And, yeah, I was the same way. But this is how it is with Tennessee's offense. If it has three, if it goes three and out, people go into panic mode. Like they think it's supposed to score a touchdown every possession. And he had a, he had a bad sequence there when I thought he made three bad passes. But look around the SEC. Look at the other quarterbacks. I watched a lot of football this weekend. Everybody has some bad sequences and uh, so overall, I thought it was a it was a good showing.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm on board. I thought I think he did a, a fantastic job. Uh, portions of the program brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code hat. That's hat to receive some free swag with your cider order available most anywhere in the U.S. Promo code hat. Go to TNCiderCompany.com. Get great cider delivered almost anywhere. T.N. Cidercompany.com. Yeah, I go from Caleb, I go from pretty pretty confident to really confident in Joe Milton moving forward. By the same token, this is not on the road against Alabama or playing Georgia.
7: Yes, but it was, I mean, look, Tennessee, crazy enough, had the most quality win of any SEC team this past weekend. And sure. and Joe Milton should not have had to share SEC co-offensive player of the week with Jalen Milrow. I'm sorry, but Joe Milton did more against whatever you think of Virginia. They're a better team than MTSU. And so I don't think he should have had to share that. He should have won it by himself. I think the thing that sticks with me is I do think when he really wanted that touchdown to Ramel Keaton and John, we talked about this over the weekend. And I think you could tell that it rattled him just a little bit when Keaton dropped it. Cause he really wanted that touchdown back. And that's when the overthrows came or the, the misthrows came on the next drive. And I think the thing that really sticks out to me is he did right after that settled down. Don't forget, it was a their second touchdown drive. I think it was like a second and 22. And he made a perfect pass to Ramel Keaton right at that point. And that easily could have been a time where he could have panicked.
8: Yeah, that was a good throw. And, you know, with you on Jalen Milroe, I think there was there's so much certainty about Alabama's quarterback situation that when Jalen Milrow went out there and didn't turn the ball over repeatedly, as he did last season at times, uh, there was just a, a rush to judgment uh, about how good he has become. I'm still not sold on Jalen Milra. I mean, I think he's a terrific runner, but I'm still not sold on his just dropping back there, completing pass after pass. Uh, we'll see against better competition. Maybe we'll see this Saturday,
4: John. Last thing, you've you've had a week to a weekend to watch the college football and the SEC. What was your prediction before the season for Tennessee? And would you change it if I gave you a redo after the first weekend?
8: No, and I wrote this. I like Tennessee more. I predicted Tennessee to go 10 and 2. I look at it maybe still 10 and 2, but a stronger 10 and 2. I liked it more after that game. And for the main reason is because of what we have discussed earlier about the defense making plays. Tyler Barrett, Omari Thomas. Um, just uh, I just feel a lot the defense just looks stronger, looks quicker. So that, so I would guess. I would say uh, maybe not any better than 10 and 2, but it, it's a stronger 10 10 and 2. And I don't see it getting blown out by Georgia. I don't see it getting blown out by anybody. I think it'll be competitive against the very best teams on its schedule.
4: John, great stuff. Three-time Hall of Famer. John Adams joins us, and we really appreciate that. Um, have a great rest of the Don't laugh, man. That's awesome. If they had a birding Hall of Fame, you'd be a four-time Hall of Famer. No, I'm a C-minus birder on my best day. <laughs> but you
8: the, are. The, g- great bird. birders, the great birders laugh at me. Yeah. <laughs> Make- you're, you're like a division
4: two burger yeah uh, he still yeah. lost the
7: 1800 election to thomas jefferson though so
8: <laughs>
4: <laughs> john have a blessed week we appreciate it buddy take care guys john adams of the knoxville news the sentinel and we love his uh tuesday visit it is time for four downs as we're going to break down what we saw over the weekend in the sec and we get to include your thoughts as well so we want to see them uh, on the message board and uh, Caleb, if you can monitor the Twitter as well, we would love for you to respond there and we'll inc- include your comments. And this week, maybe just maybe we'll have our text line up. We're excited about that. I keep you up to date. I think technically in the biz, you're not supposed to unveil something until it's ready, but I just tell, tell you about it. And by the way, uh, we'll have a way for you to order the celebrate 98 book, which I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm proud of and excited about, and it's because of Fred White, because of the access he was able to give me. So it's it's not me. It was a team effort, and I can't thank uh, Fred enough. But that'll be up for you to order. You can order it with Amazon, but if you want to do me a favor, order it on our own site, which should be up today. And uh, basically, you don't give Amazon more money than they deserve. Four Downs is down.
6: Four Downs. Four questions, four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four, four. four. downs, a presentation of Off the hooksports.com.
4: Four downs brought to you by our friends at the Hemp House, the premier hemp dispensary online with great variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. HemphouseChat.com, hemphousechat.com com so four downs is now let's take a look back uh the weekend that was we'll usually do this of course on a monday but labor day we got some extra football on a monday night cooper mays what should people do to follow the program cooper mays here hit like and subscribe thank you coop and what down coop here first down let me ask you this caleb is the sec as a whole up or down compared to last year
7: I think right now you would say and this isn't just based on this weekend you would say down just because the quarterback play in the sec is significantly worse than it was last year i think it'll kind of i think it will still right the ship but i think the sec does have an issue with quarterback play and as we talked about with john with coaching in a lot of places but if anybody has a reason to celebrate that it's tennessee because you know who doesn't have a problem with quarterback play or coaching tennessee
4: You're you're right. I mean, Tennessee is absolutely poised. And I was too young to think about this at the time in 94, 95, but with the other coaches and the quarterback play that was to come and a young Peyton Manning, Tennessee's poised to win a championship. I mean, they're poised. Now I'm not saying they will, and I'm not predicting that, but they're poised to get there and win. And when it comes to preparing in a college football playoff environment, I'll take Josh Heupel over just about any game planner altogether. Travis says the SEC is down. I'm going to agree with you and allow for some more comments to come in. I think it is because strictly quarterback play, but at the same time, down or not, Florida has been down, and I don't know that they upgraded. I thought I didn't think they upgraded with Billy Napier at the time, but I feel like that was that's been proven through 14 games now of his career. At Florida. I thought that Shane Beamer had a great run. Congratulations. But we saw we know why South Carolina lost or beat Tennessee. Okay. That part of that was off-field issues. That wasn't a cut and dry, beat you on the field, not taking anything away from them. And then we saw Clemson, which I want to get to. We saw what happened to Clemson over the weekend. I, I think it's I think it's down. And um I I, I think that you're gonna have to see some special coaches. But listen, there are, there are only so many special coaches, guys. That's the thing you got to remember. There are only so many Josh Heupels out there, Caleb, that I think are special. And I'm not just talking about the offense. I'm talking about the culture. I'm talking about the willingness to give it to Tim Banks and find a complementary defensive coordinator that can come up with a vertical pressure game. That Those guys aren't out there. You can't just say, I'm going to go hire this guy because he's that. Now, I think Lane Kiffin – is the guy that could take a step up in programs and have success somewhat at that level. If he got to the place like Florida, but who else, who else do you look out there and you say, this guy could take that step up, be it a better program. And suddenly we're talking about an elite coach. Anybody on your radar?
7: Not somebody that I wouldn't say is like a CEO, like a Deion Sanders that we talked about, because like, otherwise, like you're right, Lane Kiffin would, if Lane Kiffin takes over a program, He's running the offense. We have an offensive coordinator, but Dave, you know, he's running the offense. And then he's going to find, he's going to pull a Josh Heichel. He's going to find the right defensive coordinator. It's kind of the reverse with Nick Saban. I think we all agree, right? Nick Saban, he's running that defense. That's his defense, isn't it? Regardless of who the defensive coordinator is at the time, whether it's Kevin Steele or whatever.
4: And and to some extent, other than the lane era, it was his offense too. Because he wanted the offense to complement the defense.
7: Yeah, no, that's actually a great point. He made a lot of hires specifically. Brian Dabble and Mike Loxley stood out the most for that, where that was saving. And
4: people. I'll probably repeat myself, Caleb, but I'm telling you a coach on his staff said he would, he would tear up an offensive game plan on a Thursday night and say, do it again. And that, yeah. that, that happened. They, they knew the plays. I'm not saying the players would run different plays, but as far as the approach, philosophically, he would do that with an offense. Okay. Uh, what down is it there, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Oh, yeah. The Clemson era, is it officially over right now? Yes. I'm going to say nope. yes. Here's, here's why you're wrong.
7: Okay, I'm, I'm all ears.
4: It was over the day Britt Venables took the Oklahoma job.
7: Oh, so it's, it, okay,
4: okay. I see. I, and I, I I had a coach tell me that at the time, and I wish I would have said it, but he took half of the game. Off of Dabo's plate, you don't even have to worry about it. And, you know, Steve Spurrier had that guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, African-American gentleman who uh, I thought was a great defensive coach. Charlie Strong. Charlie. Uh,
7: I thought Ron Zuck hired Charlie Strong. Was Charlie Strong under Steve Spurrier's staff?
4: Check me on that. But he was able to hand over. Maybe I've got the names confused. but he, was able he, had, to when
7: he won the it. national title, he had Bob Stoops.
4: Stoops, 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 excuse me. I got my, I got my yes. name. So he had Stoops. My apologies. Um, so I, I don't think that Clemson has that any longer. No, and it's funny. It's, it goes back to what
7: we talked about just the previous um, down, which is that, I mean, the mark of it, if you're going to be an offensive coach, you got to make sure you hire the complimentary right guy on the other side. I remember after Bob Stoops left, Dave, you probably remember this too. Steve Sperger's hire after Stoops was John Hope, who was awful. Who was a terrible defensive coordinator? And John Hoke, I would There's a picture. You, I know you said it was. There, there's a picture of him looking dumbfounded on the sideline when Travis Stevens ran for 230 yards on Florida. John Hoke having no idea what's going on. So, yeah, I think that I could see that. I just would have thought Dabo would have made the right hires. Dabo always struck me as kind of the CEO type who made the right hires. I thought Garrett Riley was a good hire. I know you bring up Brent Venables, but I mean, Kate Klubnick looked as bad last night and the loss to Duke as he did against Tennessee back in the orange. Well, that wasn't that that's looking like that wasn't a fluke. How bad Kate club played. play. Yeah. Against Tennessee.
4: T- listen, Tennessee was very fortunate that John Chavis was not a people person and he didn't do great in interviews and he never got the head coaching job he wanted. They were very fortunate that he was stuck in that position and he didn't get another gig. Brent Benables must've been better in the interviews. Uh, he must've come across better because he got a job like Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I'll say this. I mean, that's not a job where you go hire a coordinator. You hire a proven coach. I don't care if it's a thug like Urban Meyer. That's who you hire. You don't go hire a coordinator. I think that Clemson was over the day that Brent Venables got the offer for that job. Not even took that job because I know he was going to take it. But when he got the offer, I think it was over. What down is the Coop?
1: Tennessee center Cooper Mays here.
4: Third down. Dion, for real, yes or no? Mm-hmm.
7: I'll say yes as a recruiter. I think Dion ha- is a small No, you can't.
4: No, yeah, you can't caveat it. You, Fine, yes I'll, you, yes,
7: I'll go yes. I'll go yes. And the reason um, is because he can recruit.
4: I will go yes for now. I don't think it'll it'll hold up because I think his coaching staff will get poached, and um, I think, and unless but you're don't the you think right, he's going to be
7: in a situation where a lot of good. He'll have his pick of the litter of good coaches as assistants after these coaches get poached.
4: Fair point. Uh, I mean,
7: one of the things that hurt, I think, I think one of the things that hurt Fulmer with the Dave Clawson hire, you probably know this, Dave, you were knee deep with the program. You're right. He could have hired Gus Malzahn, but it probably was harder to find to have his pick of the litter because there were talks that he was on his last leg at Tennessee. And I think a lot of assistants may have been like, eh, I'm going to steer clear of that.
4: Yep. Good stuff. Um, I-, I think he's for real for now. I, I want to see what happens when he doesn't have, his son was special. I knew that going in. And his, his son is a special quarterback. I didn't think he'd be that good in game one. Um, So remember that he has a year left and then um, he could go to the NFL. Maybe he stays with NIL money, who knows? But, and, and remember this too, that, um, you know, Colorado is probably going to be a glass ceiling in terms, in terms of talent and in terms of exposure. I mean, the SEC and the big 10, I think are going to continue to grow in the exposure that they get fourth down brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. They want to be your jewel- jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the fire opals? Those are a Tennessee tradition. Go to rickterryjewelry.com. That's rickterryjewelry.com. What down is it, Coop?
1: All SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down.
4: All right. So I just want to ask you I want the Caleb call for fourth down. What was your biggest takeaway about only one? team from the weekend mine was colorado and what they did um i I did not think that uh, they would be uh, good in their first game i did think dion would have success at colorado so what about you your one biggest takeaway my
7: biggest takeaway about one team is georgia they got an issue they got an issue because of Mike Bobo. Their quarterback situation is not good with Carson Beck. And I think we talk about the SEC being right for the taking with the exception of Georgia. Dave, I don't know if Georgia's is an exception this year. And that's crazy to say. I know, but I don't know if Georgia's an exception. I think they might be down with the rest of the SEC in offense. And a lot of people are going to start celebrating Stetson Bennett after this year.
4: Yeah. I think, man, I think Stetson Bennett as a leader, as a fourth quarter playmaker was undervalued last year. And we got a lot of Georgia fans that thought I was I was stupid. You were stupid. I did some Georgia shows that I didn't think Mike Bobo was a great hire. And I think you've got Alabama and Georgia in uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart that are, are going to run mo- more pro-style ball control sets. Not really pro-style, I don't want to say it like that, but ball control sets, does that, does that make better sense? I mean, not flinging it all over the place, but I just don't see that that's going to be uh, the long-term answer for uh, winning in college football. And I think the long-term answer is, quite frankly, what Josh Heupel's doing. I don't think this is a flash in the pan. You could have argued that – uh, last year was a flash in the pan, but that that would be another big takeaway. Uh, the way Tennessee played, the culture's still there. The defense is better. Joe Milton lived up to the hype. He's, he's not going to play perfectly all year, but that's another big-time uh, takeaway. Wow. Somebody else arrested at the University of Georgia. Unbelievable. As these traffic issues continue to happen, um, we will – Uh, get to that in a moment anything else you want to get to as far as four downs we might we might need a fit down like the old colorado game but anything else you want to touch base on before we get to another georgia staffer uh breaking news today that uh georgia had another player arrested for a traffic incident anything else you want to hit on in four downs i'll give you five six seven downs uh
7: yeah a few things one i said last week college football's cheating the fans with these bad slated games they're also cheating the fans with the with running the clock you would think that if the running the clock on the first down, the time of the game would be like the NFL. The length of the game was the exact same. They just ran more ads, so fans are being cheated with fewer plays and just as long. Pac-12 thirteen and zero right now. No Pac-12 team has lost or two and zero versus the Power Five. Not bad for a folding conference. <laughs> and,
1: That's
7: um, yeah, it is. I'm not going to overreact to the FSU state to the Florida State statement win. I think that that game just got out of hand too quickly in the fourth quarter. I still don't think Florida State is good. And look out, along with Georgia, Ohio State has a quarterback issue too. That Kyle McCord, I, I might be calling for Ryan Day to be fired.
4: Listen, I thought that Tennessee uh, would be in a position to make a run for a national championship, and I don't want to overstate this, and I don't want to get people too excited because it's one a game. I thought they would be in a position to make a run in the national championship in 2024. My question would be a rebuilt offensive line. But what did I see on Saturday? I saw some depth in being able to bring in an Ollie Lane, uh, uh, the Andre Curig cat. I see the fact that they're building depth there. So without Cooper Mays, they still look good. I saw a defense that's improving and seems to have a real plan. And then all the things that you mentioned as a backdrop, Tennessee being the national championship game this year, I'm I'm not ruling, I'm not ruling that out. I'm not because a lot of good programs are down. That other Georgia staffer that was arrested in two minutes. Hang tighties, Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Sports.
3: Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater.
1: Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always Dare to Compare.
6: far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found.
2: Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker
6: Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker.
4: Man, I'll tell you something. Um, a lot of us have lost someone in some sort of traffic uh, incident. And I talked to somebody at the at the SEC during SEC media days, and they said, you know, if you, if you went through and looked at the arrest records in uh, or traffic records of, of arrest in in Knoxville or, or not Athens in Columbia or Baton Rouge, you would find that there are as many players and staffers. Uh, involved with traffic incidents as other places like Athens, Georgia. But I'm having a a lot of trouble believing that. And this person may have had a bit of a, I don't know, agenda to drive in there. So you have another uh, Georgia staffer arrested. Um, That culture does not seem to be going well at all. And then we're going to talk about some Peyton Manning here in a second. But let me start with uh, the Georgia staffer Jarvis Jones arrested. What can you tell us about that arrest as uh, for Kirby Smart? He put the labor in a Labor Day weekend because it was something else that Kirby Smart had to worry about and work upon.
7: Yes. So Jarvis Jones is Georgia's player connection coordinator. Never heard of that title in my life. It seems like a ceremonial job they gave him since he played at Georgia back in the 2010s.
4: Okay, but you know what that is though that that sounds to me like that's the kind of molding of guys you know they called it the v f l coordinator but which is the last guy that should be doing getting in trouble It's the
7: last guy that should be getting in trouble
4: yes. like a team yes. chaplain like if your team chaplain gets arrested for prostitution, you're like, oh, that's not good all right
7: <laughs> or gonna- if you're a church pastor which We've, you know, I've covered a lot of those scandals in my life. (laughs) Uh, I watched the Um, Jerry
4: Falwell documentary recently, but go ahead. So this guy um, gets arrested for what? So he was arrested
7: on charges of reckless driving and speeding less than 24 hours before their season opener. Released on $2,400 bond. Smart said there will be internal discipline. Although I'm with Dave, I, I don't know how you can do internal discipline for somebody whose whole responsibility is over is helping players with character development i mean who's going to take him seriously now and he was for those who don't remember jarvis jones played four years in the nfl with the steelers he was a two-time all-american he was actually one of the players that transferred from usc after the whole lane kiffin probation news hit he transferred to georgia the same year malik jackson transferred to tennessee that happened and so yeah he is he's an an outside linebacker former outside linebacker it's just one of Many situations with Georgia, where players are getting tr- in trouble, uh, particularly with traffic incidents. Uh, it sounds like it was on a Friday night. So, uh, speeding, m- misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and speeding maximum limits. Which so?
4: Okay, so <clears throat> here's my issue with with this whole thing: is this is something very serious? This isn't. Um, yes, and you're right, Robert. He should be fired immediately. With the issues they've had. Sorry, Jarvis, it's not your fault they've had issues before you. But if there hasn't been a clear declaration of this will not be um, not be allowed any longer, then this is it. Fire Jarvis Jones. And then the rest of the players should take note. But did, listen, when Alabama built what they built, they had a lot of five-star guys with a lot of confidence, borderline cockiness. And they avoided these issues for the most part. I'm sure they had issues where players were suspended and, and all of that. But when you get a bunch of those guys in the locker room, they're thinking about the NFL, and you don't have them in, in the same culture in terms of off the field, it will erode at your success eventually. It happened at Tennessee in Phillip Fulmer's later years. So how big of a, an issue is this? Somebody at the SEC tried to tell me it's oh it's not that big of an issue. I think this is a monster issue. I think the fact that you would have, this is the third time we've had this conversation in the off season that how could you go out and do this after the history they've had? And we could almost replay the last guy that got arrested, be it a player or a staffer. So there's been three like since February or March, and you already had the backdrop of this is an issue. So, Dog's too proud, Robert. Maybe that you think you can get away with anything. This is not smoking weed in your dorm room. This is is this is a different level. Uh, this is the level I you know I think of you know domestic violence or you know when you get into extreme speeding or you get to drunken driving, you could hurt somebody else. Okay, and I'm a guy who has two kids on a on college campuses. Okay, that should be a safe place, and I don't think Georgia's football program is making it a safe place. I think this is a big, big time problem, and if I'm Greg Sankey, I'm I'm getting involved behind the scenes. But if it happens again, I'm getting involved and out in front of it publicly. This is this this is bad, and it's not being addressed. Do it once, twice, even three times, because that's been the habit of, hey, what do you do on a Friday night? We go out and drag race, which I, I'm told is big in the Athens and north Northwest Atlanta area, Northeast Atlanta area. But no, this is continuing to happen. They're not listening to him. It's falling on deaf ears. That is the issue, Caleb.
7: Yes, and it's, you know, you told me about this. I I, I knew about the discipline issues in Tennessee in the early 2000s, but one thing you brought up that I never thought about was, Once you have them, you can't get it back. You can't get the program back. And Mm. I start to wonder if, because you see with Urban, one of the reasons Alabama has none, Nick Saban has so much credibility. Players go with the understanding that this is Nick Saban's program, period, end of story. You can't be bigger than the program. I I, kind of equate it to the NBA, for instance, when the Bulls signed Dennis Rodman well, Dennis Rahman wasn't going to be able to be a cancer with the Bulls because he already knew he was going to a team that was led by Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Like, that's their team, and you're just lucky to – you're welcome to be and lucky to be a part of it. Uh, I think that's why I've always said that head cases at wide receiver are best if they sign with quarterbacks like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady because Tom Brady or Peyton Manning will keep them in line. Well, Kirby Smart, you would think, has that credibility, but now I'm thinking in my head – what if he got to the what if he got to where he is by ignoring these issues for so long and we just don't know about them until now now they're getting exposed.
4: Right, because more people are going to cover it. Elias says smart is setting himself up for a massive narrative shift if he starts losing some games. Let me offer this too. What I think a lot of people think that George is just going to take over. I'm not talking about you as, as Tennessee fans or those that that see what Josh Heupel is doing up close and personal. But I think there are a lot of people that believe uh, outside of, of individual programs, talking about a lot of national media, that Georgia is just going to take over and they're going to go in this Alabama kind of run and they're going to win four, five, six championships moving forward. Historically, that's not the case. It's not the case at all. If you look back, the, the greatest coach of his generation, in my opinion, in the SEC was Steve Spurrier. How many championships did he win?
7: One. Just one. Right. And he was Just lucky one. to get that one.
4: Okay. Vince Dooley. How many chances? He was a great coach. He should have won more than one. He won two. Uh, no, one, one, one. one. He should have won more than one. He won one. Um, Pat so, Dye okay. one zero. zero. What's that? Pat
7: die one zero, zero. And he's a
4: legendary coach. Pat, Pat die one zero. zero, Legendary coach. coach. Uh, so basically, who are we talking about? The coaches that really set up dynasty dynasties. We're talking about uh, Paul Bear Bryant. We're talking about Nick Saban. Uh, who else? Woody, in Hayes. Terms? Woody Hayes. And um, When I say dynasty, dynasty, I'm talking about long-term. It's hard to do in college football to win two titles, which they've done. But it's even more difficult to keep that going for three titles. I believe if if something's not changed quickly, that yes, the narrative shifts on Kirby Smart. We talk about What do we talk about now when we talk about Urban Meyer? We don't talk about the two national titles at Florida. We talk about the fact that those guys were a bunch of thugs, unless it's a propaganda piece by Netflix. And Florida
7: still hasn't recovered from that as a program. They really haven't.
4: Yes. And let me tell you how this works as a program, to give you a little bit of insight. This is so cyclical. Because what happens is, especially when it's a former player, but what's going to happen with this Jarvis Jones thing and what happened at Tennessee? You come out, you get arrested. That's news. Right. No question about it. Okay. now you go to, uh, let's say, an arraignment or a continuance or whatever. Well, that's news again because it's it's in the court system. So you report it again. So this one incident, maybe maybe a two minute stupid decision in his life can be front page news. Six or seven or eight or nine or 10 times, depending on how it plays out with each step in the court process. Well, now you have Georgia with about eight of those incidents going on. And if you don't think that parents look at that and think, man, they're in the news again, when in reality it may just be, what's it been 12 incidents? I've lost track, but it's it's been it's been double digit incidents. It could be in the paper on a regular basis. Big-time problem for Georgia, and I'm telling you that uh, I don't think this is anywhere close to corrected, and if it's not, it will be what erodes them as a program that could be an Alabama-type dynasty, which I never thought that they could. And I don't think anybody can until I see it with my own eyeballs. I didn't think Alabama and Nick Saban could do what they did until they did it. I mean, there's no reason to think anybody else can do it moving forward.
7: Yeah, I agree. And let's not forget how lucky Nick Saban had to be. Okay, so 2009, he wins it. But 2011, if Oklahoma State doesn't blow a 17-point lead to Iowa State on a Friday night, LSU's playing Oklahoma State for the national title that year, not Alabama, in a rematch. 2012, he lucked out on Ohio State just happening to be on probation when they were undefeated to get to play Notre Dame. And there's a lot of things that go in. I- I- I'll tell it. Look, the narrative on Georgia is about to get bad. Dave, I just talked about their issues on the last segment on Mike Bobo and Carson Beck, and I'm just not a believer. What happens if the offense, if they continue to look hideous, fans are upset? You know this. Arrests become even bigger stories when you start struggling on the field. That People start talking about them a lot more. 2005 Tennessee, that all season, that's when the Fulmer Cup was created because there were like 21 arrests. I heard a lot more about those arrests after the 2005 season than I did before the 2005 season.
4: Yep. And the media by nature, the national media starts poking around when you're a bigger story, because Georgia is going to get more clicks reviews, or reads. If you want to go back to the nineties and they're the national champion two times. So more people are going to be digging around into those things. And, and nowadays with social media, it goes viral. The only program I can think of that had elite success for a long amount of time, And there were a lot of not great dudes on that team is Miami. And why is that? It's because Miami's local media was more concerned about covering the Dolphins. Uh, Miami's college football program, even when they were great, they were second to the Miami Dolphins as far as interest. I mean, if you've ever been in South Florida, that's apparently obvious. And they ran um,
7: a bad boy Pistons thing. We're like, yeah, we're thugs, but, and the rest of the college football world hates us. So we're going to take the college football world by firestorm and just piss everybody off. And that kind of made them marketable to the rest of the South beach recruits. Well, they appreciated
4: time. it at that time. And you know, the, the, I mean, it wasn't alcohol. The drug of choice was cocaine. So it, it fit right in. And I don't think anybody had a problem with people getting wild and on a football team and, Uh, I remember Ed Orgeron saying everybody celebrated Warren Sapp on Saturday, but nobody wanted to go get the M16 out of his dorm room on Monday. And he was serious. He said that to the Knoxville quarterback club. So it just kind of fit the tone of South Florida at the time. So on this day in 2013, September the 5th, 2013, Peyton Manning threw for 462 yards and a whopping seven touchdowns to lead the Broncos over the defending Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens. And uh, they were able to win that game with a pocket passer that absolutely was one of the best at the game. My question for you are the days of Peyton Manning over. Uh, Do you have to have some sort of running ability to have success at a high level playing quarterback in football nowadays?
7: No, no there will always be room for drop back passers. If it wasn't for the titles alone, we might be talking about Joe Burrow being a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes right now. Joe Burrow would have the, he's very close to maybe being the best quarterback in the NFL, Joe Burrow. I will say this, the days of a mediocre pocket passer is over. So you can't be mediocre in the NFL as a pocket passer. You have to be elite, but yes, you can be elite as a pocket passer, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford's two years removed from a Super Bowl. Jared Goff is going to start for the Lions this year, even though I think Hendon Hooker might get that job later down the road. Um, I, I think there's a lot. I, I think pocket passers are still a thing in college in, in the NFL as long as they're elite, as long as they're great with their decision-making. Yes, you can still be a pocket passer and work
4: out. Okay, so if Peyton Manning <clears throat> came out in last year's NFL draft, um, would he go number one?
7: he had the exact same type of season he had in 97
4: yes no No, because Mm -hmm. you're kind of proving the reason is
7: like Joe Burrow went number one because Joe Burrow threw 60 touchdowns Peyton Manning threw 37 in 97
4: so well but uh, as a player though I'm I'm talking about you have to break him down as a player I mean this is a different day and age of football but just as a player what he was able to do his accuracy would he have been the first pick in the draft
7: well then, yeah, I'll still say first pick, particularly when he kills it in the interviews. I mean, look, let's let we know this. Look, I, and I've talked to Fred. I know people are unfair with revisionist history with how they treat Ryan Leaf, and I totally understand that. But I do know it's not a lie that there were some intangible concerns over whether or not to draft Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf, and intangibles was a big reason I think that Peyton Manning became the ended up being the most valued prospect of the two in the draft, and. You know Peyton Manning's going to knock it out of the park. And I just want to point this out. For those who don't know, yes, Peyton Manning was flat-footed, but he had a 4.8840 time. Well, Patrick Mahomes runs a 4.840, and he's the best quarterback in the NFL. That's not that much faster. And so – Yeah. I, and I, we have to...
4: Well, and to clarify, I don't think flat-footed – I thought he had good feet in the pocket. Now he couldn't run. So that goes right. to near t- – I don't think he would. I think he would have gone number two to Bryce Young because of the mobility. I think the mobility would have outweighed everything else. There's a um, the
7: size factor, though. Peyton's 6'5", Bryce factor. Young is 5'10". But, but, there,
4: but there was also, with Leaf, there was that he was even more of a statuesque, uh type of pocket passer, that he had heavy feet. I mean, he could run no, I it thought
7: tough. he was kind of considered a John Elway type. For He wasn't?
4: I'm no, so, well,
7: I, I was barely...
4: Yeah, not to that extent. I mean, he, he he would break tackles and he wasn't afraid to run. And they it made for some cool highlights. And he was probably more athletic than uh Peyton. But I think Bryce Young in today's football would would, would have gone one and Peyton Manning would have been two.
7: Even okay, but, then eyes, the, you know. but then the okay, but who who would you bet on right now? And I have a lot of respect for Bryce Young. But Peyton Manning coming into today's NFL or Bryce Young, who are you gonna bet on, Dave?
4: I would bet on Peyton Manning because because of the size issue. I think that Bryce Young will be incredible as long as he's healthy, but I don't think he'll stay healthy for 12, 14, 16 years.
7: Yeah, you're, you're, that's, that's a fair point. Basically, with Bryce Young, know, you can't use that mobility in the NFL.
4: He's going to have to learn to
7: be a Drew Brees pretty much because the mobility will kill him, honestly.
4: If he's t- two inches taller, 20 pounds heavier, I don't think we're having this conversation. I think he's... As a prospect coming out of school, I think he definitely goes over Peyton Manning. But that's how much I think of Bryce Young. It's not a knock on on Peyton Manning. So you're telling me that as far as the pocket, pure pocket passers like Peyton Manning, like Dan Marino, um, Tom Brady, you're telling me that there's still a home for them as long as they're elite.
7: Yes, as long as they're elite, there's still a home for them. And Joe Burrow is elite. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is that great of a runner. He's elite. Um, So, yeah. And, again, Matthew Stafford's – I don't even think Matthew Stafford's elite. But he he won a Super Bowl with the Rams, so we just can't take that part away.
4: Well, and to your point, Patrick Mahomes is – he makes a lot of plays by buying time. But most of his great throws and great plays are from within the pocket. But he can run
7: yes exactly he can run he's a fluid runner again he's actually not that fast again it was a 4 there's something to just about i think he takes long strides if i'm being honest and i think that's what helps but it's look i was too young to watch dan marino in his prime but it all i've heard from people all the time is how special his arm was i haven't seen us. i don't care if patrick Mahomes couldn't run he's got the most special arm i've ever seen for a quarterback yeah, I think you want
4: to I think you want to get the uh ball out in like 2.7 seconds is, is the rule, or maybe it's 2.4 uh is the general rule. Marino bought time because his release probably took a half second off that, and his reads were so quick he, he took up another half second off that. So he didn't need to be as mobile. So I agree with you, and I was probably gonna go the other way, actually. I think that as long as you're elite. Dan Fouts would have been another great example that Robert uh, brings up very, very similar to Dan Marino, probably a poor man's Dan Marino. But um, no, I think as long as you're elite, you got a spot. But I think that you might fall a little bit in the draft. You might be middle of the first round instead of the first overall guy. And and then there's a guy like John Elway who could – was a great He'd be number one in any draft. Yeah, was a great runner for his time. I mean, would he be a great runner now? No, he would be a good runner. That's a totally different topic cat altogether. What so, about oh, sorry? I
7: yeah. was I was gonna say because when I talk about special arms, do you think it's just intangibles or was somebody like Tyler Bree was at his release do you think that held him back in the NFL from ever making it? Because he had a he had a rare arm
1: too.
4: Uh, I never liked how he had a bit of a sidearm delivery. I always thought that was a, <clears throat> a little bit of an issue and he'd have balls patted down. <clears throat> I think a lot of this is luck to be real honest with you. I think going to the right coordinator, going to the right. I mean, if Jalen Hurts goes to a lot of other places, is he having a lead success in the NFL? I would argue no. So. yeah,
7: If Andrew Luck goes anywhere else, he's in the hall of fame, but he was, he went to the worst organization that Peyton Manning masked all of their flaws. And Andrew Luck was put on suicide watch with how often he was hit at Indianapolis.
4: Yep. Uh, We appreciate John Adams. Big show. We appreciate everybody on board. Show exploding. Thank you for that. We'll let you know more about the Celebrate 98 uh, book that is uh, coming out. And then uh, tomorrow we'll be joined by Jimmy Himes. It'll be Josh Ward on a Thursday and a football Friday with Fred. Fred White will join us as well. So he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, evening, morning, whenever you're watching this. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.